Good morning, Toronto City Church. Pastor Samuel Kanga here, and I am excited to continue our series called Hello, My Name Is. Two weeks ago, Pastor Sharon spoke to us out of Genesis about Elroy, the God who sees you, the God who saw Hagar in the desert. Today, I want to take us a few chapters back in Genesis. I want to take us on a journey through the life of Abram. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 12. But before we do, here's a little context of the story. So Torah, the guy that we're talking about, his name is, his name is Torah, like I said. That's Abram's father. He took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, whose father's name was Haran. So Lot's father was Haran. So that's going to be important in a moment. And Haran had just died. He also took his daughter-in-law Sarai. And they set out from Ur, where they were, just, where they were living, to go to a place called Canaan. But they ended up settling in a place called Haran. So the name of the son, of Terah's son, was Haran with two R's. And this place is called Haran with one R. But the same name sounds the same, kind of looks the same. There's just a missing R. What's interesting is that Terah was on his way to Canaan, which later became the land God promised his descendants. But he settled and died in Haran, the town that had the same name as his deceased son. Is it possible that Torah was unable to move past the trauma of losing his son, Haran? And he ended up staying in a place that reminded him of the loss of his son as opposed to get into the promised land. Is that possible? Sometimes we don't get to where God intended us to get to because we're unable to get past our places of trauma. We've forgotten, we've, we haven't forgiven, pardon me. We've dealt, we haven't dealt with disappointment in our hearts. We've made our bed in hope deferred. And these things stop us from seeing the fulfillment of the promise of God in our lives. If that is you, I want to tell you this, that God has a plan for you, man. One to establish you, one to prosper you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. And in return, he is asking you to let him into the place of your trauma, to trust him once again with your heart, with your pain and your disappointment. He is able and wanting to turn your mourning into dancing, your places of pain and springs of joy. Will you trust him once again with your heart? See, Revelation 3.20 says this, Look, I stand at the door and knock, and if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will share a meal together, and we will share a meal together as friends. See, God is knocking at the door, at the door of your heart, at the door of your places of pain today. You know, you know that thing that you haven't shared with anyone? You know, the betrayal you face at the hands of, the, of your trusted ones. The rejection, the abandonment, the loss. God wants to heal your places of pain. He really does. God's desire is to heal your places of pain. And this morning, he knocks at the, at the door of your heart. He's knocking. And he says, would you let me in? If you let me in, we will dine as friends and we will eat. And I will talk to you about your places of pain. And I will bring healing to your places of pain if you just allow me into this area. Anyways, that was a little bit of an aside. So I talked, I said, we're going to get to Genesis 12. So here we are. Genesis 12. And this is God talking to Abram. And it says this. The Lord appeals to Abram. Pardon, not Abraham, Abram. The Lord appeals, appears to Abram and says, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and, I, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, 
And Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Listen, I can only imagine how the conversation between Abram and Sarai went. You know, I have a vivid imagination. So as I'm reading this, I'm like, you know, I wonder how this happened. Because you got to remember this, that Terah just took his whole family and they walked. It was about, I think it was about like 600 kilometers that they walked. So they walked all the way from Ur to Haran. And they get to Haran, they're starting to establish their life. And then Abram goes to Sarah. Hey babes, we we kinda we kinda we kinda gotta move. So I was imagining one a bit a little bit like this, no? Abraham walks into into their, their tents, their bedrooms, like, hey Sarah, most beautiful one, my love. <laughs> Sexy mama. And Sarah's like, Abraham, not tonight. I'm tired. Abraham's like, no, 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 no. I come to you in peace. Just so you know though, you have the right to change your mind at any point during this conversation. Sarah rolls her eyes. No, but seriously, Abraham says, you got to move again. And Sarah's like, Abraham's like, yo, are you going to say something? Instead of just tapping your head. See, you and your father, says Sarah, you had me move to this land only to have me pack up again. Where did you get this idea? Well, uh, God spoke to me and told me we need to move to... Um, so that he can make us prosperous and we just kind of gotta, gotta go, we have to move. Abraham, have you been eating the mushrooms again? Girl, stop. Jehovah told me we need to make, he's gonna make us into a great nation. Okay, so where are we going? Uh, I don't know. He said he's gonna tell us later. <laughs> See that conversation right there. This is how I kind of imagine in my head. This is called the the Samuel Kanga translation. That conversation right there must have not inspired confidence in the heart of someone you're trying to lead. So Sarah and our heart was probably like, "Yo, where are we going? What's happening? You just moved me, and here we are. You're asking me to move again. I don't want to move. I don't want to walk. I don't want to pack up. I'm probably gonna have to do all the packing. You know, what are you gonna do?" She's just like. Okay, so here we go. So they end up going, Abraham and Sarah end up packing. Abraham ends up traveling with his whole family to a place called Shechem. And the Lord appears to him and reminds him of the promise he had made him early on in many words. Hey, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a prosperous nation. You're going to be amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Amazing. So Abraham builds an altar to God who appears to, to the God who appears to him, which is God, Jehovah. And from this point on, a lot of things start happening. First and foremost, there are people living in the land that God promised him. Second, he's living there, and then all of a sudden, bam, the land dries up, and there's a famine in the land. And Abraham's like, Abraham's like, what are we going to do? So he goes again in the tent to Sarai, and he's like, um, babe, I think we got to move again. I can only imagine how that conversation, that combo went. So they get to Egypt, and this, this is like, wild to me. Abraham tells Sarah to lie. And says, yo, when we, get to, when we get to Egypt, please tell them you're my sister. Not only so that he would live, but so that he'd be treated well. They get to Egypt, the, the officials of, of Pharaoh see Sarah and they're like, yo, snap, she's fine. So they tell Pharaoh about her and he brings her into her court to be his wife. I'm like, anyways. Pharaoh treats Abram well and he gets rich. Pause. 
time out. I'm like, that's really, really messed up, man. Abraham gave up his wife for his own safety and his financial gain. Nowhere in his line of reasoning did he think, yo, what's best for Sarai? I can only imagine how betrayed, rejected, abandoned Sarai must have felt. She had no guarantee that Pharaoh was going to treat her well. What if he was abusive? What if he raped her? What if he beat her? She was left to the mercy of the self-centered idea of her husband. How do you recover from that? Bro, you gave, bro. <laughs> so this man, my guy, he gave his wife to another man for money and safety. Today, we would call that human trafficking. That could not have been good for their marriage, man. Anyways, God gets angry with Pharaoh because he's sleeping with Sarai, Abraham's wife, and he causes all these diseases to plague his house. So Pharaoh kicks Abraham and Sarai out of Egypt and lets them keep all their wealth. Abraham leaves Egypt and goes to a place called Negev. I think that's how it's spelled. That's how it's pronounced, pardon me. And his wife and Lot, he takes his wife and Lot with him. And the Bible says that he becomes super, super wealthy in livestock, silver and gold, to the point where the land couldn't support him anymore. So drama pops off between Lot and Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's Lot, um, uh, herdsmen. So Abraham says, I don't want any trouble. I don't want any beef. You know, you and I are cool. You're my nephew. I love you. I've, I, I changed your diaper. Probably did. I don't know. I think probably did. I've, I've, you know, we've been through things. I've, I've taught you how to, you know, your father died. I kind of stepped in as a father figure. You know, I, I taught you how to hunt. I'm, I'm here. I'm like, you know, I don't want any beef with you. You're wealthy. I'm wealthy. So let's go our separate ways. So I can only imagine how much the feeling of loss that Abraham must have felt. Like I said, this is his nephew. He's been with him all his life. They've experienced hard times together. We talked about famine. We talked about all these different things. They've experienced good times together. They're both wealthy now. They probably cry together. They laugh together. You know, when you've been with someone that long, you build strong bonds. So they go their separate ways. Lot, Lot ends up in a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. War pops off, war happens, and Lot ends up being taken as a prisoner of war. And someone who has escaped from like, the prison where they were comes and tells Abraham. Now imagine how scared and anxious Abraham must have felt. This is his nephew, the closest thing that he has to a son. So he goes on a mission. He probably takes a few, I won't say a few men, but a few of his friends, a few of his, a few of his you know, servants is like, okay, we're going to go and rescue Lot. So they go and they rescue Lot. Lot is, is happy. And then the Lord appears to Abraham again and reminds him of the promise that he gave him. This is after he rescued Lot. And there's a whole lot that happens in between. But I'm going, I'm going, I'm, I'm like skipping through some stuff so that I can land on the chapter that I want to land on. And the Lord tells Abraham, hey, Abraham, don't be afraid. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. This time around, and this is in Genesis 15, I believe. This time around, Abraham does something a little bit different. So it is Genesis 15. So Genesis 15 too says this. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate, Eliezer of Damascus. And, and Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir? In other accounts with God, Abraham responds where 
um, Abraham's response, pardon me, was one of obedience. You know, at the beginning, when he first encountered him in Genesis 12, um, Abraham packed up his family, had a conversation with his wife probably, packed up his family, and went right away. No talk back, no nothing. Um, later on in Genesis 12, when he encounters him in um in Shechem, the Bible says that Abraham builds an altar to the God that, that encountered him in that place. You know, obeys him right now. But this time around, sometime after, after he's kind of lived some life. You know, there was those droughts in the land. There was, he had to go to Egypt. He had to do what he had to do. And, you know, sacrifice his wife. He comes back the Lord. He faced war. All the stuff is happening. The Lord shows up to him and reminds him of the promise. And we see a little bit of cynicism for the first time. He, he, he talked back a little bit. I talked back a little bit to God. He's like, God, like, really? Are we, are we really going to do this? It wasn't, it wasn't a thing of obedience right away. God reassures him and says, yo, go and count the stars. That's how numerous your descendants will be. So we get to chapter 16, and Sarah has an idea that sounds quite familiar to something that happened in their marriage early on. She's like, yo, listen, so Abraham... Um, so I don't have children, but what I do have is an idea. So I have an Egyptian slave. Her name is Hagar. No, but listen, listen, before you say no, don't judge me. So just kind of listen to me. Why don't you go and sleep with her so that I can get what I want, which is family? Hmm. I feel like this is a full circle moment for Abraham. What he required his wife to do for his personal benefit, she's like, yo, two can play that game. So I need something. So I am going to sacrifice you, get you to literally sleep with another woman so that my needs can be met. This makes me wonder how much pain or how Sarah dealt with the pain of what happened in, in, in Egypt. Still makes me wonder if she still carries some of the, the pain in her heart because of what Abraham put her through in Egypt. So the story goes on. Hagar gets pregnant. Sarah, Sarai, pardon me, gets mad at Abraham because Hagar uh, is pregnant and, the and then there's drama in there. Abraham looks at Sarai and says, I ain't dealing with this. Uh, she's your slave. That's your slave. You do with her as you please. Sarah mistreats Hagar so badly that she runs away. If you haven't listened to it, please do me a great favor and go listen to Pastor Sharon's message on Hagar and the encounter she had with God, Elroy, in the desert. So, so Hagar runs away in the desert and Pastor Sharon does a masterful job talking about Hagar's journey in the desert and how the Lord rescued her. So like I said, Hagar runs away. She ends up coming back after her encounter with God and giving birth to a son called Ishmael. You know, listen. Now we get to chapter 17, and this is where I wanted to get to. So the Lord shows up to Abraham, but this time around, he introduces himself differently. And he says this. He says, hello. He doesn't say hello. But for the sake of our, of our title message, I'm going to say hello. He says, hello, my name is El Shaddai. The Almighty One, the All-Sufficient One, the All-Powerful One. And the Bible says that Abraham falls flat on his face. God goes on to remind him uh, what he first told him and make a new covenant with him. God tells him, your name will no longer be Abraham, exalted father. Abraham, pardon me, exalted father. But your name will be Abraham, father of multitude. 
that must have been crazy because Abraham, Abraham or Abram at the time only had one son. So it's like, you know, you only have one son and you're wanting more son and more children. And the Lord comes to you and said, your name will be father of multitude. And you're in the back of your mind, you're like, God, you know, I only have one son, right? But Abraham was like, all right, I'm here. I'm tracking with you, God. And then God tells him, your wife, Sarai, you know, you're no longer going to call her Sarai which means princess. Her name will now be Sarah, which then means, which means my princess. See, I think that God was intentional in changing Sarai's name to Sarah. First of all, I think it was just, it was a reminder, first of all, to be like, yo, listen, she is my princess. Just so you know, she belongs to me. She's my princess. And secondly, she is your princess. You know, when you, when you call her name, call it my princess. She belongs to you. She doesn't belong to Pharaoh, the Egyptian. You know, the one you kind of give your wife to, she doesn't belong to her. She is your wife. I've given, given her to you as a gift. So you best treat her right. And then he goes on to say, this is in verse 16, I will bless her and I will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. And the Bible says that Abraham fell again on his face. And the Bible says this, this time, um, like none other, this the first time we see this reaction from Abraham, he falls to his face and he is laughing. And he was like, come on, God. And this is, this is Samuel Kenga's version. It's like, come on, God. I am 99. Sarah's 90. This ain't happening. This is not happening. How am I going to have a son when I'm 99? But surely, how is she going to have a son when she's 90? Don't she? Like, you kind of made, you made the body. You know what, bi like, biology is like? You no, know, she, she, she cannot. I cannot. I don't have the strength to have a son. We can't do this. But in the face of a natural imp impossibility, God declared to them, goes, I am El Shaddai. Hello. My name is El Shaddai. It will be so. I have said it, and I am almighty. It didn't just seem impossible to Abraham because he was old. Like, he was old. Like, 99, 100, that's an old man. Imagine having a child when you're 99 or when you're 100. I can't, listen, I am, how am I? I'm 33, and I have three children under the age of five. And the strength and the energy that it takes to run around with children is, like, next to nothing. But being 100 and having a newborn son, you must be, like, you know, you must have real strength. But anyways, it wasn't just impossible because Abraham was old, but he had been through some stuff the last 25 years. You really had. You know, from the time that the Lord promised him, made him a promise, the Bible says that he was, it was, he was 75 years old, to the time where the Lord showed up to him as El Shaddai, the, Lord, the Bible says that he was 99 years old or 100, so around 24, 25 year old. He had been through a lot of stuff in the last 25 years. First off, the loss, loss of his father, you see that? Secondly, uh, people inhabiting his promised land. The Lord told him to move to this land. He's probably thinking, all right, it's going to be sweet. Like There's going to be this, this, this land that I can cultivate. Because he was, he was at ease and prospering. The Bible says that when he moved from Haran to Canaan, that he had um, amassed wealth. Like people and then some cattle and, and stuff. So he was, he was, he was prospering um, where he was. It wasn't like he wasn't prospering. So he moves to Canaan where he thinks, I'm going to like, it's going to go to the next level. I'm going to prosper. I'm going to be good. But he gets there. There's people living there. He's like, ah, okay, what are we going to do? But not only that, as he gets there and he's trying to, he's trying to work the land, famine, famine hits the land. Famine hits the promised land that we saw. And not only that, then he has to move from the promised land, from where the Lord told him to move from. And it's like, man, God, can anything else go 
wrong. And as we saw in the story earlier on, absolutely. Because we saw that he ends up giving his wife to Pharaoh and then having to go separate ways with his, with his nephew Lot and having to go to war and then the baby drama, baby mama drama with Hagar. And he probably doesn't have the best relationship with his wife because he, what, he, what he did in Egypt and she's probably angry with them still if you didn't ask for forgiveness there's bitterness there's resentment there it's like hey you like you know i'm i'm he's like and she's probably like hey you gave me away to somebody for money that's that's some serious stuff you know there's probably some hope deferred that probably crept in there but knowing all of this god shows up and how he decides to show up is as el shaddai the almighty one the one to whom nothing impossible the one who, who speaks the word and what he says comes to pass. See, in the same way, I believe that the Lord came to, to, to Abraham as El Shaddai. I believe that the Lord this morning is coming to us as El Shaddai. The one who has all power to fulfill what he has promised you. It may have been five years, 10 years, 15 years ago, 25 years ago. No matter how hopeless the situation may seem, we serve a God who holds all authority. He is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He is the promise keeper. As he did for Abraham, and he is more than able to do for you. Your situation and where you feel like, where you may feel like there's hopelessness, it is not hopeless because God is El Shaddai. What he says will come to pass. And the word says, the Bible says that he watches over his words to see them come to fruition. And what he promised you over, like I said, 5, 10, 15, 25 years ago, no matter what your journey is, he is able to see it come to pass. And like I said at the beginning of the sermon, I feel like the Lord is at the door knocking. And I feel like what is stopping a lot of us from really believing the Lord, and the Bible says this, that um, when the Lord came to Abraham with a promise and he had questions, and the Bible says that he believed and it was counted for him. And because he believed, because he had faith in what God said, he made the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith. And sometimes what trauma does to our heart, what the journey of the original promise to the fulfillment of the promise does to our heart, it causes our hearts to be sick. Because the word says that hope deferred makes our heart sick. Because legit, sometimes it's, it's traumatic. You know, for Abraham, like I said, like loss and, and, and marriage problem and baby mama problem and war and all those different things. And for us, it may not be like similar, the same thing as Abraham, but we've been through stuff. From when God called you, from when God promised you, from when God first showed up to you and he told you, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you a great person. I will do this for you. I will give you children. I will give you a spouse. I'm going to heal your body. I will, I, will, I will prosper you financially. And we believed. We were like Abraham at the beginning where we packed up our lives. We packed up our family. We were like, yes, God, I'm going to move to where you're, you tell me to go. And we get to the place. And all of a sudden, it doesn't look like we want it to look like. And all of a sudden, there may be people inhabiting our promised land. And all of a sudden, we may feel like there's a drought in our promised land. All of a sudden, it's not what we thought it was. What will be the state of our heart? What is the state of our heart? What has been the state of our heart? And that's the reason why this morning God is showing up as El Shaddai to remind you that it may feel, it may seem like, the, like, like, like your, like your um, situation is impossible. It may feel and seem like you can't, you can't um, there's no way out of your situation, but he is El Shaddai. He is God Almighty. He is the one who created the word, the world with his word. 
The Bible says that he spoke and everything came to be. And the same way that he spoke in the beginning in Genesis and the world came to be, to be in the same way that he has spoken to you. And what he has spoken will come to be. And our job, like Abraham, is to believe. It's to believe in this El Shaddai, Almighty God, our powerful God. So I want to pray for you this morning. I do. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray that if you've lost hope, if you're one that has lost hope and you feel like, uh, you know, a little bit like Abraham, you're, you're, you're still believing God, you're still following God, you're doing your best, but your heart is sick. Your heart is sick because of the journey. You've had hope deferred. You've had some disappointment. You've had some loss. You've had some, you've had some, your heart is hurting. You've kind of, kind of like Torah. You've pitched your tents in your last place of trauma. But today you've heard God come to you as El Shaddai and you want to move past your last place of trauma or your places of trauma. I want to pray for you. Is that okay? So Father, I pray for everyone who is under the sound of my voice. God, you are El Shaddai. You are, you are God Almighty. You are the one who is able to change lives, God. You are the one who created the world with his word. And God, all you, all we need from you, God, is one word. So Father, we ask, God, that you would come strong as God Almighty on behalf of everyone that is under the sound of my voice. God, I pray for everyone right now who is desiring um, to have children. God, who have lost hope, Father and who've had a hard time conceiving. And Father, they, they've, they've, they've cried out to you. They've prayed, but Father, they're in a place where they feel desperate. God, I ask, Lord, that you, like, like you've done, Father, for Abraham and for Sarah, God, that you would come as El Shaddai. God, I pray, Father, for all those, Father, whose marriages, Father, are on the rocks, who feel like there's, there's this, this mountain of bitterness and unforgiveness, God. God, I ask that you would come as El Shaddai, the one to whom nothing is impossible. God, I ask, Father, for those who feel like there's no hope for their, their bodies, Father, in, in sickness, God. God, I ask that you would show up as El Shaddai. God, show up as El Shaddai, Father, in our lives, God. God, I pray, Father, for financial breakthrough, God. Show up as El Shaddai, God Almighty. To whom nothing is impossible. God, I thank you for miracles. I thank you, Father, for miracles. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So before I close, I want to give an opportunity to anyone who has listened to me to make this God that I just talked about, El Shaddai, the Almighty One, the All-Powerful One, their personal Savior. That has been the best decision I have ever made with my life. And the reason is, is because he is loving, he is kind, he is wonderful, and he is the one that comes to our rescue. And he is a promise keeper. And if you haven't done it, if you haven't made him Lord over your life, if you haven't uh, decided to do, to make, or to, to walk out your life according to this principle, I want to invite you to do just that. And it's super simple. And it's repeating this prayer after me. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity that you're giving me to become your child. Today, I realize that I am a sinner and that I need saving. So God, I ask that you forgive me of my sin. 
You will forgive me of my wrongdoing and my wrong thinking. And that you would come into my life as Lord and as Savior. I ask God that you would make me in you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer in the chat, hit us up. Let us know that you've prayed that prayer. Someone would love to pray personally with you. And with that, I want to say good morning and have an amazing rest of your day. Bye-bye.